surpassed first point guard and trailblazers reporter Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. In today's show, we got a fun one. The Blazers lost two games that they needed to lose. Great, great work by your Portland Trailblazers. Continuing to lose, dropped two to the Spurs over the weekend. It's the final week of the regular season. Check in on what's left with Portland, and because they're mostly going to lose those games, let's check in on what's left with the play-in round, their pursuit of hoping the Pelicans miss the playoffs and get a pick, and everything going on in the bottom of the West standings that that will impact Portland moving forward. We got a, we got a lot to talk about there, and finally, the Utah Jazz are in a bad spot, and a team in a bad spot with two two all-star level players looking like they might blow it up this offseason. The Blazers at least better keep one eye, if not both eyes, on that situation. We'll talk about what a Jazz blow-up, how it could impact Portland, and maybe if the Blazers could pounce on a situation, take advantage of a team in a little bit of turmoil. Doesn't that sound familiar for Blazer fans, just from another perspective? But first, let's do what we do. The fastest recap in the West. Blazers lost two games to the Spurs. Friday night, they lose 131-11. Not a particularly competitive game. But on on Sunday, they came back and did as as much as you can ask for. Played a pretty, a pretty competitive basketball game and lost to a team they need to lose to. The Blazers lose to the Spurs 113-92 on Sunday night. Portland was in it. You know, um, they had a big lead in the first quarter, up as many as 13, and then, and then fell behind. But blasted back with a 33-point second quarter to, you know, to take an eight-point lead into the half. Uh, Greggy Goggles, that's Greg Brown the third one. He's He has got poked in the eye, uh, has, has to wear goggles now to protect that eyeball. You know what he did? He had four threes in the first half. He's been balling, shooting incredibly well. Uh, Damon Lord tweeted that he has to keep the class, the goggles on forever. Uh, goggle Greggy here to stay. Uh, Blazers, you know, up, up, eight at, up eight at halftime. Maybe you don't know, up eight at halftime... Th- competitive game but also that feeling like no they're not gonna win are they and then one of the reasons was Jakob Pertl uh Spurs starting center didn't play DeJounte Murray who didn't play Friday also was not cleared to play Sunday and then uh backup big man Jock Landell was ruled out after six minutes into this game and so the Spurs are you know light on bigs already missing their best player all of these things and so there was I think there was some concern in Blazerland both after you know started the injury report and then and then Big Jock getting hurt and then the the way they played in that second quarter that it was going to be trouble but guess what it was in trouble cuz the Spurs ripped off a 34-16 third quarter they go into the they go into that was basically it right they're up 10 they're up 10 heading into the fourth quarter and the Blazers do not get in single di- within single digits after about the first 45 seconds of the fourth quarter Brandon Williams hits a three with 11 16 left in the quarter they get as close as nine and from there the Spurs put put it on them uh Blazers scored just 36 points in the second half after scoring 33 in the in the uh second quarter alone that's your fastest recap in the West Blazers lose 113 92. Greggy, 14 in the first half, didn't score in the second half. He was really good in the opening of those two quarters. Uh, Keon Johnson, 19 points, hit three threes. Keon Johnson hits has hit multiple threes in three straight games. Dude can shoot, I guess. Didn't think he could shoot, but, um, you know, he's... This is like a weird time to judge guys. Who knows? But I would say Keon has more outside shooting touch than I thought he did. And let's just see more of it because occasionally he does things like straight line drive past someone and then go into a spin move and you're like dude's a freak <laughs> that's a that's a kind of athlete you want to see um he's got a long way to go but i think he's shown some stuff uh 19 from ben mclemore off the bench 13 and 13 from drew eubanks Blazers just didn't have any offense in the second half 
Spurs turned it up a little bit, uh, and uh, Blazers could not score enough in the second half to keep this game competitive. Kelton Johnson led the Spurs with 28 points. Zach Collins, 18 points and 13 rebounds. Somehow the first double-double of Zach Collins' career. He played 31 minutes against his former team. Uh, Katie Bates-Diop, who was pressed into backup center minutes, finished with 12. Uh, and Trey Jones finished with 18. I uh, want to send my apologies out to Trey Jones and all those Blue Devils out there who may have had a difficult Saturday night. I know it, it'll happen to you. It'll happen at home when you throw a hubris party. It'll happen in the Final Four. Uh, don't invite that team to any more important games, y'all. It can be tough for Blue Devils. So my condolences to Trey Jones and any of his ilk that are out there. Uh, you know, Justice Winslow, I know that was tough for you as as well. You know, go Tar Heels. <laughs> I uh, had to sneak it in there early because <laughs> had to sneak it in there in the first block for sure. Go Tar Heels, indeed. Uh, don't, don't come at me, whatever happens on Monday evening against Kansas. That is uh, pretty much all you need to know about this game for the Blazers. Uh, they need to lose. They keep losing. Are they going to win again? I think they've got one chance left, and that's part of what I want to talk about in the second segment. The Blazers are in this position where they don't need, they have put themselves in a chance to lose all of the rest of their games. I think they're going to be fine. I think they're going to finish with the sixth worst record in the league. All of it is going to take care of themselves. The Pacers played the Detroit Pistons today and lost. I think that ended all hope of, of Portland catching Indiana. I think that was sort of the last gasp effort. So now it's, it's you know, Portland's probably going to be where they are. The sixth worst record in the league put themselves with about 37% chance of a top four pick, ninth, uh, 9% chance of getting the first overall pick. Pretty good odds considering where they were at the beginning of the season. This is an incredibly aggressive uh, teardown. They've won just two games since the All-Star break. Do they have a third win in them? That's let's talk about that in the second segment and look around at the rest of the the bottom half of the West standings because the play-in matters to Portland. And we'll look at the teams chasing the play-in, including the San Antonio Spurs, and kind of how this might shake out. But before we get there uh, to that second segment and talk about the standings, it's time to talk about Built Bar. We, we it's just the best tasting protein bar that there is. Uh, you do not need to go look for a better one because you're not going to find a more delicious one. And you're not going to find one that packs a better punch. Uh, they're all covered in 100% chocolate. They all kind of got that candy bar-like texture. They've even got a new line that are uh, Built Bar Puffs. They're airy and kind of marshmallowy and pillowy that come in a whole bunch of different puff varietals. But regardless of what you're looking for, you want a traditional one or you want a puff one, they're all going to pack a punch. The average Built Bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 net carbs. All tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to Built.com and use that promo code LOCKED15. You get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right. So we talked about the Blazers' loss. Two over the weekend. That's good news for your Portland Trail Blazers. Now it's time to look ahead. Do they have another win in them? Maybe. I think... There's basically one game left on the Blazers' schedule that they can win, and it comes next. It comes Tuesday against Oklahoma City. Uh, the Blazers play, they have four more games remaining. At Oklahoma City on Tuesday, then they, at New Orleans, that's chalk it up. They're going to lose that one. At Dallas, I think that's a loss. Dallas still needs to win uh, for positioning purposes. Uh, teams, you know, maybe Dallas doesn't, maybe Dallas likes where they are and they rest guys, but I think even a, like a, I think some of Dallas probably pretty much handles, um, handles Portland, and if Luka plays book it that's th those are two losses against new orleans and dallas and then utah the final game of the regular season it'll be 6 p.m sunday night by the this is monday april 4th's show uh i record these on sunday evening sometimes sunday morning but, but depending on timing uh but it'll be next time i record a, a monday show it'll be sunday evening the season will be over we're it we're it 
we're in it, right? This is the final week of the regular season. And for the first time that I have ever covered the Portland Trailblazers in my, I started the 14-15 season covering the team full-time, uh, I wouldn't call what I do now necessarily full time, but uh, I cover them every day uh, on the on this on this here podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, I have never experienced a season where the Blazers didn't go to the playoffs, so it will be new for me this final week of the regular season. When we do this next week, it'll be all be said and done. This is like a, a team that's going to lose fifty games. Uh, who would have known? Uh, I think we all thought they were more pushing towards 50 wins than 50 losses when the season started. And their only win that they've really got that I think is like reasonable left on the schedule is OKC on Tuesday evening. Uh, I think they're going to lose to New Orleans for sure. I think they're almost certainly going to lose to Dallas. And Utah has real incentive to uh, to keep on winning. Utah is just a game and a half out of the play-in. They're in sixth place, a game and a half ahead of Minnesota. Minnesota, you know, real incentive to keep winning and miss the play-in. You just don't want to play in it. And Utah is falling apart. We'll talk about them a bunch to close the show. They're not in a good spot. Utah closes the season with Memphis, who's already got the two seed locked up. Home game against Memphis. Home game against OKC. Home game against Phoenix, who's already got the one seed locked up. Uh, And then at Portland. I think Utah's fine. Like, I think they're going to be fine. But they're going to need to win all those games. Memphis is just the type of team that no matter who plays, they might run you. They are... um, to, to steal a phrase from an old school Warriors team, full squad, all 15 dudes on Memphis can whoop your ass. And they have been doing it all year long. Uh, so even if they don't play guys, Memphis still might run it. I don't think that's an easy game, but OKC is an easy game. Phoenix, they're, they got, they're just keeping their foot on the gas. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and then Portland's bad. So I think like re- the best, I think like really, I think there's two guaranteed wins in there for the Jazz. I think they're going to be okay and stay ahead of uh, Minnesota with a game and a half lead. But not guaranteed. Utah still got to keep their foot on the gas. So really what we're looking at here is not necessarily Portland's Portland's games. Like uh, OKC, even with as bad as they are, is are holding teams out. Like that's that's even happening. So it's, or the holding guys out. Like Shea Gilgis-Alexander is out for the season, is out for the remainder of the season. You saw last week the Blazers played uh, OKC in Portland. The game went to overtime. Those are pretty evenly matched teams. I think that's a, that is a game that's sort of debatable uh, whether they win or not. So it's, We'll see what happens with the Blazers. I think they're going to end up sixth anyways because I think they got clear enough of of Sacramento with this really impressive run of losing basketball games that they're going to have the sixth, by sixth, I mean the sixth worst record in the league. I think Portland's safe. So it's really about what happens the rest of the play-in. The Blazers are, if you don't know, now you know, have a lottery-protected pick or a 5-14 through protected pick owed owed to them by the Pelicans. if the Pelicans miss the playoffs, the Blazers will have a chance to get the pick. If the Pelicans make the playoffs, the Blazers do not get the pick, and it will be a 20-25 first from the Bucks. That is significantly worse, and it will dramatically change the next couple years for the Blazers. If they have two picks, they got a lot going on. If they have one pick this summer, it's, it is going to be a much different pivot the pivot their aggressive pivot that they're doing the aggressive remodel of this old of, of the house that joe cronin built doesn't get as um is not going to get an extra study if they don't uh if, if they don't get two draft picks so really what we're looking at here is like are the pelicans going to be in the worst possible position or just straight up out of the play-in here's the thing the pelicans beat the lakers again the lakers just absolutely are bad that's a bad basketball team and they play like it they lost to the pelicans again this time at home uh ended with just 
this early, you know, earlier this week or, or, or beginning of the weekends, about as ugly a final possession for the Lakers could possibly have. They had all three of their stars healthy with Westbrook and and James and and Anthony Davis. They got no excuse. Get the Lakers out of here. They're two back. They're, the Lakers are in eleventh, and they are two back of San Antonio. They finished the season at Phoenix, at Golden State, OKC, and at Denver. I think Denver is going to need to win at the end of the regular season, so they're probably going to play that game. Phoenix is straight up better than LA. If they play anybody, they're going to beat them. Golden State desperately needs to win. They don't have Steph Curry. I think that's a close game, but I would lean Warriors. OKC wants to lose and will lose. I think the the Lakers basically have one win. They probably need to go 4-0. There's... no chance. No chance. And why they need to go 4-0 is because they're they're chasing the Spurs. They're two back of San Antonio, who's right now in 10th place, thanks in large part to the Blazers. Losing to them three times over the last 10 days. Um, the Spurs play at Denver, at Minnesota, versus Golden State, and at Dallas. Uh, Den- Denver, Minnesota still need to win. Those are tough games. Golden State still needs to win. Dallas, we'll see where they're at. They might need to, they might not care because of standings-wise by the end of the season. But it might be important for them. They might be playing for home court advantage, uh, you know, four versus five by the time we get there. So that could be super, super important. That's the problem. I don't think the Spurs are going to win enough of those games. I don't think they're going to go, uh, probably would have to go three and one to catch uh, New Orleans and because New Orleans is just in a good spot. Uh, the Pelicans, as I'm recording this right now, are getting shellacked. They're down 18 to the Los Angeles Clippers. So uh, I'm recording this like at 8, 8, 15 p.m. as I'm hitting record here on a Sunday evening. So if they come back and win, uh, whoops, <laughs> but I'm going to bury them real quick. I assume they're going to lose this game to the Clippers, um, which would put them with just a game ahead of San Antonio. But like I said, San Antonio's got this tough schedule, tough final four games, and the Pels have a relatively easy one at Sacramento, a team actively trying to lose, or at least not actively trying to win. You know, they've ruled out their two best players. They're letting Davion Mitchell do his thing, and he's been fun. Shout out to Off Night, but they're not good. Uh, The Pels play Portland uh, later this week on Thursday. Y'all know what the deal is with the Portland Trailblazers. That one seems like a win for the Pels. That would be two wins. And if they win, two, if they go two and two, they're probably going to hold on just because of San Antonio's record. But then at Memphis, with the two who has the two seed locked up, to what you know, what does Memphis want to do in their penultimate game of the regular season? And then the Pels play Golden State on Sunday, the end end uh, end the season to the final game of the regular season against the Warriors. That could be a loss. That could be a, a real dogfight. The Warriors could be in a position again for home court advantage, and the Pels could could need to win. That could be a fun, entertaining final game of the regular season. Shout out to the NBA schedule makers. But to me, that looks like the Pels go three and one. If they go three and one, there's um, very, 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 very unlikely that that uh, San Antonio catches them. So it really looks like the Pelicans are going to finish in ninth. Uh, they're not going to catch the Clippers ahead of them, particularly because of this loss. It's just not going to happen. Uh, this uh, presumptive loss, as I'm recording this, uh, they're just not going to catch them. They're going to finish ninth. That means they're going to host a play-in game in New Orleans, likely against the San Antonio Spurs. Got to pick the Pelicans in that one. Then they'll play the loser of Minnesota or uh, or the Clippers in that 7-8 game. Conceivably, it could be the Jazz who who's drops down there too. But the loser is going to have to hold off the Pels and the Blazers' chances to have the the draft capital to either draft good players or trade for good players will will great probably will probably come down to one single elimination game where we're watching Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum try to will a Pels team that is inconsistent but has two great one-on-one scores in a single elimination game to just straight up get there. That's what it probably looks like. Or we'll just be going all out for Zach Collins and DeJounte Murray and, and Jakob Pertl and, and Big Body Keldon Johnson, one of the best nicknames in the league. Uh, my boy Big Body. Like 
this is what it looks like. I think the play-in is going to be fun because you, for, for like Lockdown Blazers world, because it's going to be, it's going to be, there's going to be two very high leverage games that will greatly impact the future of the Blazers. And one former Blazer, CJ McCollum, will be greatly involved in it. And also shout out to Larry Ness Jr. So that's what's ahead for the week. When I talk to you in this space next week, we're going to have four other episodes this week. It's a daily podcast available wherever you get podcasts. But by the time we do this Sunday evening show next week, it's over and we'll know the deal. Or at least we'll know where New Orleans is headed for the play-in and all that. We will look up, you know, next week's show will be a look ahead to the play-in. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Like, I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, but... This final week of the regular season, I, the Pels just have a the Pels just have a pretty cake schedule. They just have a pretty cake schedule, and part of that is because Portland has fallen so far. This was, you know, that, that should be really hard games. Portland, Memphis, Golden State, like schedule makers did not give them gifts. Those are tough games. Um, it's just the Blazers are the worst team in the NBA. Like they, it, this is how this one shook out. All right, so let's close the show talking about another team that um, is having some trouble and might be, we mentioned the Jazz, might, you know, just trying to avoid the play-in round, stay ahead of Minnesota and stay in sixth, and they're not going to have home court advantage. Can they can they avoid the play-in altogether? And and does it even matter? Because of the Utah Jazz headed for a blow-up, and if does that blow-up mean that the Blazers could benefit? Let's talk about that. Let's do a little bit of fun speculating to close the show. Before we do that, I want to tell you about BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. More lines, more props, more odds on everything. The final week of, the regular, uh, of NBA's regular season, every single game, you'll find individual player props, you'll find game odds, you'll find game lines, you can bet quarter by quarter live, you can bet um, you can you can bet the spread in between quarters, everything, everything, all available on BetOnline.net. And if you don't want to bet on the NBA, every other sport out there is available for you. So don't wait. Go take advantage. Go have some fun. That's betonline.net. Bet online, where the games start. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. So, the Utah Jazz have had quite a week. Quite a week. Blew a 20-point lead and lost to the Clippers. Blew a 20-point lead and a 17-point lead with seven minutes left and lost to the Golden State Warriors. And it was even worse than that. And you might be saying, why do I care about the Utah Jazz blowing it up? And one, it's fun. (laughs) The, The turmoil and drama of another NBA team is fun. I think you should care about it for that reason. But two, this could lead to... This meltdown to end the season could lead to the the Utah Jazz making sweeping changes. And if the and if a team in the league makes sweeping changes, a team like the Portland Trailblazers that wants to be competitive right away and might have some ammo to do so, should circle the damn wagons and find out if Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell could be here. Specifically, Rudy Gobert. I think that's. That's why this matters. Let's talk about this a little bit. Uh, there was a viral moment in the Golden State game where uh, they ran a pick and roll. Teams would do what they do against the uh, against the Jazz. It was a Gobert and, and Donovan Mitchell pick and roll, and they switch. And Rudy Gobert took Klay Thompson and shoved that little fool in a locker, had him stuffed under the rim. A dump in probably gets him a dunk or at least gets him an immediate foul. And Donovan Mitchell not only looked him off, he waved him away and went to isolate and go make a play. 
This is not an isolated event. If you watch jazz games, they do this all the time. Not just uh, Don and Rudy are the ones that everyone highlights, but the jazz looking off Rudy on a switch with an advantage is something that happens all the time. Mike Conley even does it. One of the sort of like the true good guys in the league. But um, this has been a thing that the jazz do. I think I've even joked maybe on this podcast, certainly with my friends that like, if the jazz just passed the ball to Rudy Gobert like six more times a game, they're, they would be, they would just be a more dangerous team. Like not even, they don't even need to like get him post-ups, like literally just pass him the ball when he's a ceiling in the paint. And what this underscores is, is a thing that's probably been brooding for several seasons is that Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert just straight up don't get along. There was a report, you know, in the athletic from Tony Jones and I forget who else, but for sure, Tony Jones, great reporter for the athletic wrote a, wrote a story that the, that the uh, Blazers or the Blazers, that the jazz duo, that the Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert relationship was unsalvageable. And then that became a big joke because the Utah Jazz came back and they had the number, they had the best record in the league, and it was like unsalvage this mother. And then they blew a three-one lead to the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. And then they came back this year, and it's like they're still pretty damn good. Like they have the best offense in the league. They're darn good. They just they've really slipped on defense. And whenever teams struggle and stuff like this happens, like whenever teams come up short, teams that are like you know. Even even teams that the Jazz probably have much more championship equity than the Blazers have had over the last couple of years. But when teams come up short, people from the outside circle the wagons and say, "Blow it up, trade you know, tr- trade Dame, trade Rudy, trade trade Donovan Mitchell, blow it up." But I think the speculation is closer than that. I think the unsalvageable thing from the Athletic was has more truth to it, uh, and the uh, the local reporters from the Utah Jazz are indicating that they also think that this era of the Jazz has run its course. They were the best team in the league for two straight years. Basically, you know, uh, you know, they lose in the first round when Bogdanovich gets hurt and they lose to, the, to a really good Nuggets team in the bubble. They come back. They're the best team in the league, like the best offense in the league, sorry, for two years. The best team in the league last season, just straight up. They, they were a freaking juggernaut. So, 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 so good. And then they get to the playoffs and teams are able to go small against them and they can't guard on the perimeter enough to take advantage of how good Rudy Gobert is. And people kind of blame that on Rudy Gobert, but it's maybe not his fault and all these things. And now it comes up that this, all of these problems and all of these blown leads and all of this sort of just bad vibes around the team seem to be real. And, and local reporters, including Andy Larson, as someone who I, who I really respect and really like his reporting writes for the Salt Lake Tribune. And I highly recommend subscribing to the Tribune and reading Andy's work. Uh, says like it just it, it it is it's it seems inevitable that this thing gets blown up this summer and that's where your Portland Trailblazers come in. I don't see a particularly easy path for the Blazers acquiring uh Rudy Gobert or Donovan Mitchell. But I know this. This is why you do what Joe Cronin did. This is why you tank all the way down to attempt to get two lottery picks. This is why you set up a situation where if you do renounce Yusuf Nurkic and you do renounce Josh Hart, you can have $30 million in cap space. Now, would I be in favor of like getting rid of Josh Hart and Yusuf Nurkic to add Rudy Gobert to this and, and trading the eighth overall pick in the draft to get Rudy Gobert? No, probably not. No, I think that's probably too big of a sacrifice. But Gobert is a, is a generational talent, one of the greatest defenders in the history of the league. Even if you don't like him, that's what he is. He's one of the best defenders in the in the straight up history of the of of the NBA. So, if there is a way to add him and someone else to this, you do it. I don't see a simple path. Like 
uh, a, a listener sent me an idea of like, hey, what if you trade for, listener Justin sent me this idea, what if you trade for, for Donovan Mitchell, like a sign-in trade with uh, Anthony Simons? Well, the sign-in trades, you have to have an agreement. Is Anthony Simons going to agree to sign a contract with the Utah Jazz? I guess if it's for a whole bunch of money and a big role and all these things, sure, You maybe his people can talk him into it because that's what this league is about, right? It's like securing a spot where you have a big role and a big paycheck. Um, I don't think the Blazers want to do that, though, and I don't know that Ant would agree to that necessarily. Same with Yusuf Nurkic, uh, you know, an unrestricted free agent. Is he going to facilitate a sign-in trade to Utah so the Blazers can get Rudy Gobert? Probably not. I mean, maybe there's an amount of money, again, that he could get there, but, like, those aren't particularly easy. The Blazers don't, if you if you rule those guys out, right? The Blazers don't have a lot of tradable parts, uh, like like super coveted tra- tradable parts necessarily. Is like some p- package built around Nazir Little and Josh Hart's contract and 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 uh, the partially partially guaranteed Eric Bledsoe contract to make the money work. Like, is that doable? Maybe, but that kind of saps the Blazers of some of their depth, a thing that has, has got them in a tough place. So what I'm saying is I don't see a super easy path for the Blazers to acquire Rudy Gobert, who I would circle as, uh, for Portland's specific needs, the one that you would rather have. Um, because I think you build around Damon Ant and then you need size. And how useful would that be if you get the best defensive center in the league alongside of those two? Isn't this the kind of thing that Blazer fans have all been screaming for, right? Elite defense around them. That makes you think, yes, see what happens. But I, so like I'm saying, I don't, like I'm saying, I don't necessarily see an easy path. I don't see from my seat right here in my basement, uh, like I I don't see the vision necessarily for how they easily acquire Rudy Gobert. And I don't mean that as like a cop-out. I just don't see it. I'm looking, I look at the roster and I prep for this. I'm kind of like trying to find, hey, let me pitch a reasonable trade. Let me not cop out and say that it's like, there's nothing, but I just don't see it. That doesn't mean it's not possible. If if the way the NBA works, if a player wants to go somewhere, people will maneuver behind the scenes. Teams will even take back bad deals to make, not bad deals, but worse deals to kind of um, make it happen because players control the things. And if those things, say Donovan Mitchell says, get him out of here at all costs, and the whole league knows that, and that drives down Gobert's value, and then all of a sudden it becomes like the expiring contract of Josh Hart and the eighth overall pick in the NBA draft for Rudy Gobert, whoo boy. Should the Blazers jump on that immediately? Immediately, no hesitation. If you don't, if you're not a uh, a Rudy Gobert believer, that's fine. I am. I think he's really, really good. And I think if you put better perimeter defenders around him, it will complement what he does even better. He's got some offensive limitations, but he's one of the best defensive. He's probably one of the best defense players I've ever seen. One of the best defensive players of my lifetime, just straight up. Uh, don't tell Draymond Green that. He doesn't care for him. Don't tell a lot of people in the league. His peers don't seem to really like Rudy Gobert. I don't think, you know, not just his coworkers, people around the league. It's, it's all true there. But... If the Jazz blow it up, this is why you do what the Blazers did. This is why you collect ammo. This is why you collect all of the... This is why you 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 get assets. This is why you do all of the things the Blazers have done. It's why you do it. It's just why you do it. If the Blazers can find a way to make that work, you go make it work. As simple as that. And if the Jazz are going to blow it up, you stay on the phone, you stay abreast of what the blow up is, and you figure out if you can get involved. I don't see it. Joe Cronin is much smarter than me. He's better at cap stuff. He manages a damn basketball team and I host a relatively popular podcast. I appreciate you all for listening. 
If the Jazz blow it up, the Blazers should be there on the doorstep to figure out if they can get involved. No questions about it. So part of you when you're watching the final week of the regular season is rooting for a Utah Jazz flameout and hoping that that flameout somehow leads its way to Portland. That is going to do it for today's show. We're going to have more shows this week because that's what we do. Five days a week. Uh, We've got one, I was going to promo something else, but we've got an interview, the Nike Hoop Summit this week, and wonderful, it's in Portland, a wonderful chance to get your eyeballs on some of the next really good college basketball players, one and done guys, NBA guys before they head to the league or head to the college, um, you know, a full year out. Uh, we've got a friend of mine, Reggie Walker, who helps organize the Nike Hoop Summit, is going to join and preview that. Um, some a, a really early look at some prospects. Going to be a ton of fun. Also, just a chance to see some really good basketball this week in Portland. We'll have that. We'll talk about the rest of the Blazers week. We'll do a we'll do a mailbag. It's it's going to be a jolly good time. So make sure you come back and you tell your friends to do the same. Available on all of podcast platforms five days a week. It's also on YouTube. Tell your friends. Come back soon. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon. <laughs>